If we haven't met yet, I want you to know my name is Matthew Levant. I have the absolute privilege and honor of being the planter and lead pastor of Renewal Church. Um, it has been such an incredible journey these last few months. And so to be here with you today in North Delta Middle School, uh, pardon, but it's a little bit surreal. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing to see what God has done But those of us that have been here the last few months just want to welcome all of our guests and hope that we can continue in this journey together. So as we begin this season of having three preview services leading up to our launch on Easter, we're going to have one theme. And the theme is, it's time for renewal. Two years ago, So almost exactly two years ago, the Spirit of God placed a spark inside of my soul. This spark was was a burning desire to plant a new church here in Bell County among a, a people that have oftentimes in Central Texas the appearance of godliness but denying its power. I was living in Abu Dhabi in the Middle East and as in, on the mission field there with my family. And God called us to move here for this purpose. And he's given us this vision to, to start a church where we will see a spreading of God's renewal to Bill County and to the world. You see, our goal has never been, and even today on this first First service, our goal has never been to build something that human hands can build. The goal has always been and will be to see the miraculous, to see the supernatural hand of God at work. The goal is, the prayer is to see God revealed. To see what God can do through us as we yield to him. The vision has been to see captives set free from their addictions. To see marriages restored and made whole. To see those that are far from God to be brought near, enjoying his presence, fulfilling their purpose. You see, the vision for a new church is is to spread his renewal to Bell County and by his grace to the world. We want to see people made new in Jesus and then see them grow in Jesus and then be released into the world for him. So it's all by Jesus and for Jesus. And and this spark that I'm describing to you, these thoughts, these hopes and dreams, this spark that God put inside of me has begun to spread. And now we have a launch team, and today we get to meet several new people, and I look forward to meeting you, so don't run off too quickly. I want to shake your hand and get to know you. I want to share life with you. I want to see this small spark to begin to grow, to become a large, raging wildfire that goes across Bell County, where you have more and more people that become consumed and are white-hot worshipers of the King. 
This is the prayer, and this is why we're gathering. It's not about just us here in this room. It is about spreading the renewal of God and seeing more people made new and experience the presence of God living out their purpose, which is joy-filled. It's time for renewal. So it's time for Renewal Church to be born, to come into existence. But maybe, just maybe, you're sitting here today and, and you know in your soul, you feel God speaking to you, you feel that stirring, and you know that God is speaking to you and you sense that it's time for you to experience renewal. You personally, in your life, possibly in your marriage, maybe with your children, in many different areas of your life, it's quite possible, and I believe because God is in control, that you're here this morning because in your own life, you need God's renewal. And let me tell you on the authority of his word, not my authority, that he is here to offer you his Renewal that you can experience and taste personally. So it's time for renewal for you. Now, those of you that don't know me yet, that have just for the first time here met me, um, it won't take you long to realize um, what others already know about me. Um, I'm not shy, and I don't mince words. And people have accused me of being very straightforward and direct. Um, and so any amens on that? The, those that know me, they're like, oh, man, we always know what you're thinking and why you're thinking it. So I don't like false advertisement. I'll just say it that way. I like clarity and being direct and transparent. And that is some of the values that we want as a faith family is the sense of transparency and of just being real. Like, can we just, like, come in here and, like, take off our mask that we have to wear all the time so that people will accept us? And isn't it just exhausting? You just, just take them off and say, this is who I am. Yeah, I'm broken, but so are you. And we can be broken together and follow Jesus together. Be made new together. See him work in our lives for his glory together. And so as this new church is just now being planted, as we move towards launch, you need to know that we want no false advertisement. Like I was reading this week of, of the company Dannon, you know, that makes yogurt, how they, they had this, this product called Activia. So this is a few years ago. They, they had a major lawsuit and had to pay like $35 million in damages because they use words like um, scientifically and clinically proven to be healthy. Really? It's not. It's just sugary yogurt. And so, of course, that was false advertisement and, and that's to pay a huge fine. Or another example of this, does anyone here remember the Skechers shoe shape-ups. You remember those? Did anyone buy those? Don't raise your hand. I'm sorry. Nice. So those like wobbly platform, funky-looking shoes were all of these promises on if you wear this odd 
ridiculous looking shoe is going to tone your abs and glutes like as you walk. Really, there's no scientific evidence of this. And after a lawsuit, it was proven that indeed there is no evidence that shape ups shape you up. And so they had to pay $40 million in damages for false advertisement. And so here this morning, I want you to know very clearly that there is no false advertisement with Renewal Church. Do you long for the renewal that only God can bring to your life? Here's the truth. You can't do it yourself. You can't renew yourself. You can't heal yourself. You can't free yourself from your bondage. You can't make yourself new. You can't change your heart. So you can't will yourself to renewal any more than a fish can will himself to live on dry land. You can't. It's not possible. You can try self-help. Try the Oprah Winfrey route if you want. Try it. It won't get you very far. Because what we need is something that is beyond us, outside of us, and that's miraculous, that only the hand and the power of God can accomplish. So what I'm offering you today is nothing that you can accomplish on your own. It is something that has to be received only by trusting in Jesus, by looking to him and depending on him and yielding to him. Because that's ourselves, it is impossible. And so this morning's theme is that renewal is overcoming the impossible. And this is what God does. He overcomes the impossible in our lives. And I pray that this morning that God reveal himself to you. That the heavens would be opened and that you would have a fresh vision of Jesus and his glory and who you really are and his purposes for your life. And I want to do that through the Old Testament book of Zechariah. So if you want to turn there and find it, it's in the Old Testament, Zechariah. Let me give you some brief historical context so that this isn't too foreign to all of us. So the descendants of Abraham, beginning in Genesis, became the Israelites, the family of Israel. And they were enslaved in Egypt, and they were miraculously delivered and freed from slavery by Moses. And then they became God's holy people, and they received his word at Mount Sinai. Now, when Moses died, his, his predecessor, uh, or I'm sorry, his successor rather, Joshua, took the lead. And then Joshua led the nation into the land that God had promised in the land of Israel. And they went in, and they conquered, and, and they took possession of the land that God had given to them. But the goal was for them to live in God's place and be God's people to display God's glory. This was the purpose. 
So as they lived in God's presence, obeying him and enjoying him and worshiping him, that in so doing, their lives would look different from the other nations, and they would then display God's glory to the world. But sadly, God's people did not obey. They did not worship him. They did not enjoy his presence. Instead, they enjoyed their idols more. They disobeyed God. They rebelled against God and broke his word. And even though God was loving and faithful and patient for centuries, they continued to pursue hope and purpose and joy in their idols. And God eventually, in 721 B.C., sent judgment in the form of the Assyrian Empire. And the entire northern kingdom of Israel was destroyed, leveled, and survivors were then taken into captivity into modern-day Iraq. Now, the southern kingdom of Judah obeyed better than the northern kingdom, but not by much. And in 586 B.C., God sent judgment to his people, this time the form of the Babylonian Empire, which had risen to power and had defeated the Assyrian Empire. And so they went to Jerusalem and completely demolished the city wall, burned the whole city down, the temple of God that Solomon had built in all of its splendor, they totally demolished it and left the temple in just rubble. And survivors were taken into exile again to modern-day Iraq to live in Babylon. This was a dark time, very sad. This is failure and disappointment. This is God's people wondering, where is God? Had God forgotten us? But of course, God had not forgotten. They had been disobedient, and this is just the consequences of it. And yet, God still was faithful. Because in 539 B.C., a new kingdom came into power. The Persians defeated the Babylonians, and now Persia was the world power. And the first king, King Cyrus in 538 B.C., allowed the Jews living in modern-day Iraq in exile, he allowed them to return back to their homeland, where they could then rebuild the city wall under Nehemiah's leadership. And they could rebuild the city and rebuild the temple, which, was, which is what Haggai and Zechariah were preaching about, on the importance of rebuilding the temple, which is the symbol. This is where God's presence dwelled with his people. And so these, this remnant of exiles returned back to the promised land. And then in 520, so a generation later, when they're already back in, the, in their own homeland... Still, they're a province of Persia, but they're in their homeland. In 520 B.C., the prophet Zechariah comes on the scene, and he begins to preach. And if you read the book of Zechariah, his message is renewal. It's all about renewal. After the horrors of the exile, God was renewing his commitment to restore his people Restore them to what? Well, back to their home. Restoring them back to their purpose. And restoring them back to God himself. 
So let's read Zechariah chapter 1, verse 4. Do not be like your fathers to whom the former prophets cried out. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Hear this. Return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. So he is telling them, hey, you're back in the land now. Don't be like your parents who rebelled, saying, come back to me. Be restored to a relationship with me, to enjoy me, and then to, out of the overflow of that, to obey. So this is all about restoring, and then there's a call to restore the temple. So jump to chapter 8, verse 9, and we'll see where God talks about the need to restore the temple as well. Thus says the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong. You in, the, in these days have been hearing these words from the mouth of the prophets who were present on the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. So 18 years earlier, when they had first returned from, from well, Persia, they, they had already laid the foundation of the temple. But that's as far as they got. They, they didn't actually build the temple. They just laid the foundation. So God is saying, now it's time to go and finish the job and finish rebuilding, restoring the temple. Now, I know if we're really honest, this is hard for us. Because we live in 21st century Central Texas. We don't live 2,500 years ago in Israel. Like, we don't, we don't live in ancient Israel. So trying to understand this could be kind of challenging. But let me try to give you a mental picture of what they had been through. They had lost their homes. There were families where, I'm sure, part of the family was killed or didn't survive the onslaught. Families were divided. And then now, a generation later, you have people that were born in captivity that have never even been to Israel before. So you have young people that, or people that were too young to remember that are now coming back. And, and they are now back home from exile. But they were dirt poor. And they get to the homeland, but it's a dump. There's no houses. There's no Ikea. There's no H-E-B. They need to go build their houses. They have to go plant their crops. They have to go establish their lives and start all over again. Clear the rubble from decades earlier. And if that wasn't bad enough, Persia was levying heavy taxes on them. And if that wasn't enough, they were being attacked by enemies. And so they were in physical danger, financial hardships, and the emotions of coming back. And and you've heard about, "We're, we're going home, kids. And then you pull up and it's like, oh, it's kind of a fixer upper. It was, it was a hard time. And people were just trying to survive. When we living under fear and under oppression, sometimes the best you can just think about is, how am I going to just get through today? Making the best of just miserable circumstances. And then here's this prophet in the middle of all this gloom, 
And he says, God is saying that God has a plan to renew us and to bring us hope and joy and peace and prosperity. And you can imagine what they thought. They were probably like, really? Hey, Zach, have you looked around? Have you, have you seen our circumstances? There's no way. I can barely get through today. There's no way that I'm going to be able to rebuild a house and, and the fields and the temple and the walls and the whole city and my life. Like, it's just, it's just impossible. It's just too much. Can you relate? Ever been discouraged? Ever been disappointed? Ever faced a situation that you're looking at all your circumstances and you're just thinking to yourself, there's just no way. I don't see how this marriage is ever going to be restored. I don't see how I'm ever going to get out of debt. I don't see how I'm going to ever get a different job. I don't see how I'm going to raise these kids. Can you relate? I don't know how God's going to restore this broken relationship. Whatever it is that you're going through. I'm sure that there either is now or has been or someday will be a situation that seems to be impossible. And if you can relate to that, then you can begin to have a glimpse of what the ancient Israelites felt like. And God's message is that he, his renewal is overcoming the impossible. See, we worship the God who specializes in accomplishing the impossible. You hear me? We serve the God of miracles. We serve the God who resurrected Jesus from the dead. And every day is resurrecting the spiritually dead around us. We serve a God of hope and a God who offers renewal in the face of impossible. He accomplished it. I have faith that we will see a thousand impossibilities bow before our King Jesus. That he plans to use this church for the praise of his name. To see the renewal, which can seem impossible, to see the impossible accomplished. But if you want to experience it in your life, if you truly want to experience this in your life, what it requires is a few truths from Zechariah that you need to know and believe. Number one, you need to know and believe that God's purpose is better. You have to know and believe that, that his purpose really is better. From the moment that original father and mother, Adam and Eve in the garden, disobeyed God and plunged our world into despair and darkness and decay, God has been working out his plan of renewal to make people new, and to make them free from the curse of sin and death. Let me read to you from Zechariah chapter 8, verses 3 through 6. 
Thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with staff in hand because of great age. Listen to this. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. Thus says the Lord of hosts, if it is marvelous in the sight of the remnant of this people in those days, should it also be marvelous in my sight, declares the Lord of hosts. He's saying, I have a marvelous plan of restoration, of making things new, where you're going to hear the joy of children running in safety and in security with full bellies loved running and laughing and playing in the street. This is a picture of God's renewal. And then if you go to chapter 9, he describes how he's going to accomplish it. How is he going to accomplish this purpose? Chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So this was over 500 years before the birth of Jesus. And there is a promise that one day the king will enter into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, showing a symbol of peace that he brings shalom. And even the temple's reconstruction in this era allows us to see that it is pointing to Jesus because he is the one, he is the true temple of God that brings us into the presence of God. And so this is God's purpose, that we would live in his presence, enjoy him, and then in so doing, reflect his glory to the world. And this is also our purpose. You see, our world tells us that you have to find your purpose in your own way. And the world says, oh, you have to be hot. And you have to have a boatload of money. And you have to have a successful career. And you have to have 2.5 great kids. And it says, and, and, and you have to have so many followers on your social media. And you have to go on these grand vacations, and you have to take all of these selfies at the exact right angle, so that way you look really great on Instagram. Feeling me? And we pursue, and we, and we seek, and we chase career, and we chase pleasures in our, our own terms. And, and where does it leave us? empty and anxious, feeling like a hamster running in a wheel, addicted. It just leaves us the exact opposite place that we were looking for, which is hope and purpose and satisfied souls. You see, you and I cannot define our purpose. We didn't make ourselves. We didn't design ourselves. God designed us, so he defines our purpose. And God's purpose is better. His purpose alone will satisfy your soul. And maybe today you're thinking, really? 
God made me so that I can live in his presence and live filled with joy and peace and and real sense of purpose? Thinking, no, no, not me. God can't use me. Maybe you feel like the Israelites did in Zechariah 4, verse 10. For whoever has despised the day of small things, hear that, small things, shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the governor who was in charge and would rebuild the temple. So he's saying, people were saying, oh, no, this is a day of small things. God can't do big things. God can't do great things through me and in my life. My life is is made up of just small things and not all that significant. And maybe you feel that way. But let me tell you, those are lies from the enemy. These are not the days of small things. God has great things planned for your life. He has great things planned for Renewal Church. It's not the day of small things, it's the day of great things, because his purpose for us is better as he accomplishes the impossible in our lives. So we must know and believe, one, that God's purpose is better. Number two, know and believe that God's love is unchanging. We have to know and believe. If you want to see God do something remarkable in your life, you have to know and believe that God's love is unchanging. You know, the word love is really confusing to us today. Have you ever noticed this? We say things like, oh, I love football and I love my kids, as though those are analogous, right? Like, like they're equal. Or we can say, oh, I love chocolate cake and I love my husband. So you think, well, yeah, that's about right. Or you might say, oh, I, I don't know, I love these pair of socks or other trivial small things. And we use the word love in sometimes very casual ways. And then we have, we have a hard time when we talk about God's love. But Zechariah 10, 6, still saying again here in Zechariah 10, 6, describes God's love. It says, I will strengthen the house of Judah. And I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back because I have compassion. I will restore them. I will renew them. Why? Because I have compassion. Because he loves them. And they shall be as though I had not rejected them. For I am the Lord their God. I will answer them. So he's saying, I have compassion. And I'm going to restore. And then you go to chapter 12, verse 10. Powerful prophecy. And I will pour out on the house of David, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced. You hear that? 500 years before Jesus is born. It says that he's going to pour out his spirit and pour out grace because of him who is pierced. They shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. And so, yes, there was definitely weeping with him who was pierced. 
pointing to Jesus, but it is his work on the cross that gives us salvation and victory and renewal. And in chapter 13, verse 1, on that day, so this future promise, on that day there shall be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. You know what this is pointing to, right? This is pointing to Jesus and what he's doing today and taking people, making them new and cleaning them, making us new creatures with new hearts, with new desires, only possible because Christ paid the price on the cross. This is the gospel that's being pointed to in the Old Testament. And I think the reason why we have oftentimes a hard time with this word love is because we don't connect love of God with this gospel. And, and we tend to think of love the way that we're loved by other humans. So let's just be real. Let's just kind of be honest for a moment. When you talk about human love, it, it tends to be performance-based. We tend to want other people to earn our affections. And if you don't do what I want you to do and how I want you to do it, then I'm not going to respond with loving you back. And we, because of our sin, we all do this. We all tend to approach love with this performance, earning it mentality. And then what makes it even harder and just more painful is that oftentimes the people in our lives that promise to love us The people who promise to take care of us and to be loyal to us are the very same people who betray us and who hurt us, who abuse us, who don't love us, and who leave us wounded. And if we sat over coffee individually, I'm sure we could share stories how all of us have experienced this pain on one level or another. And then what happens is we hear about God's love and we think to ourselves, I have to earn it. Or we think to ourselves, when is he going to let me down? Because everyone eventually lets me down. The difference is that we cannot approach the love of God the way that we approach love from other humans because we're, we're corrupted by sin. All of us are. But God is not. He is good and holy and pure and loves perfectly with a holy love. And so God's love is unchanging. Hear me. God can't change. It's not that God won't. It's that God, because of his nature, he cannot change. Just think for a second. If you change, that means that you just got better in some way, right? Like, if you improve, like if you change your appearance and it got better, supposedly, right? So it's improving. Or it can go the other way. Like, you can change and get worse. So whether you're improving or getting worse, either way, when you're changing, there's an improvement or a deterioration. And yet with God, if he could improve, then he would not be infinitely glorious. If he could get worse in any way, then he again would not be infinitely glorious. 
So because God is unchanging, he cannot get worse. He cannot get better. He is already infinitely perfect and holy and glorious. And so God is unchanging. He cannot change. His love for you cannot change. His plan for you cannot change. What he says about you cannot change. He cannot forsake you or abandon you. He won't do. He can't do what humans do and abuse and abandon each other. He can't. He won't. You can rely on him. You can trust him because his love is unchanging. And when we understand this, you know what it gives us? Confidence. It gives us confidence. God's love makes us brave to face our own sin, to face whatever is before us that seems impossible, which is why 1 John 4, 18 says, for there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And so when we know that we're loved perfectly in an unchanging love, it just pushes, it casts out the fear. And we trust him and we hope in him and we live victoriously, and we accomplish remarkable things for his kingdom. You don't have to earn his love. You already have it. You simply receive it. You rest, are transformed by it, and you overcome the impossible. Lastly, as we close, you know and believe that God's spirit is stronger. You have to believe that God's purpose is better, that his love is unchanging, and that his spirit is is stronger. Zechariah 4, verses 6 and 7. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone and shouts of grace grace to it. He says, this mountain that you're facing, it's nothing. It's going to be leveled. And there is grace that is given to us through his spirit. It's not by might, but by my spirit. So whatever you're facing that would seem impossible, you have to know that God's spirit is stronger. Do you, do you believe this? Say it with me. God's spirit is stronger. We have to keep saying this and believing it and preaching it to ourselves and speaking it over ourselves that his spirit is stronger. This is a living relationship where we're walking with Jesus, walking with his spirit, and he leads us and he changes us. He reveals more of our sins to us so that we can repent, and then he heals us. And then we see the impossible. Do you want to see the impossible in your life? No one believed that his purpose is better, that his love is unchanging, and that his spirit is stronger. So I'll give you one last word as we dismiss. Surrender. This is the key. Surrender. If you want to see the power of God released in your life, We surrender to his purpose. We surrender to his love. We surrender to his spirit. It's time for renewal. The question is, will you surrender 
And if you are new and just checking out Renew a Church, I hope you're getting a flavor that we want to be a worshiping community, a community that loves God and is going to study his word. And we want to get to know you. And so you can come on in. The water is fine. This church is about spreading God's renewal to Bell County and the world. And this is not a church of small things. Humble beginnings. We're just Today is our first service. But we have a big vision and a big God. And the reason is that his renewal is overcoming the impossible.